Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Greetings, listeners. Thank you for joining us here at We Watched a Thing. As usual, I'm Topher. As usual, I'm Billy. Yes, you are. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm not good. I know. You were up at 4am and you're still here. We're, we're recording this about two hours after <laughs> Liverpool lost the Champions League final in genuinely horrible fashion. And that's the state I'm in. I'm still in my track pants because I don't care about anything oh, today. I don't care if you're in track pants. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't care about today. So, did, were you drinking while watching the game at least? No. No. So, you were just up at 4am. And I'm a mean sober. <laughs> you are, so watch out. <laughs> so, now, like, I've kind of given up on life for the day, but we're here to talk about something that I care very much about. We are, And you know what? Happy six-month podcast anniversary, mate. We've been doing this for six months now this week. I wish I could care today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Solo is what we're talking about this week. A Star Wars story. A Star Wars story. I hate that little bit at the end. <laughs> and so this came out on Thursday. You've now seen it twice. Not once, but twice. And how do you feel about that? Because I know that that wasn't necessarily by choice. It kind of happened by design. That's right. I was already booked in to see it last night, but then the day before had a couple of hours spare and was interstate and was like, I'll go watch Star Wars, which is good, actually, because as ever, as tends to happen with Star Wars movies with me, I like the second viewing so much more once I'm unencumbered from expectation and all that stuff, and I can just sit there and watch the movie. I'm like, yeah, this is a better experience. I was going to ask you about that because I nearly did the same thing. I was already booked in for last night and same thing. I had some hours free on Thursday and nearly went, but I was like, nah, you know what? I'll save the cash. I'll only see it once for now to see if I really want to see it twice. But I wish I'd seen it twice already. Right. So, Solo is written by Jonathan and Lawrence Kasdan. Father-son combo. Yes. Uh, and directed by Ron Howard. Mostly. Um, yeah. <laughs> who was the initial director on this again? Lord and Miller, who had done the Lego movie, 21 Jump Street, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They were directing the film and directed most of it. Yeah. It was only- Three weeks, was it, before principal photography was due to end? Yeah, that right. Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm went, there's the door. Yeah. And they were like, all right, we need a safe pair of hands. And I mean, honestly, if you can't get Steven Spielberg, you may not get anything spectacular, but you're in a safe space with Ron Howard. Yeah. So the film stars Alden Ehrenreich as Solo, alongside Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Tandy Newton, Phoebe Waller-Bridge- Junus Suatumu and Paul Bettany. Jarvis lives. Mm. And Paul Bettany was a, is only there because of the change in production of this. Wait, really? So, originally, Michael K. Williams, Omar himself from The Wire, was Paul Bettany's character. Really? And then when they came in to do all this, because Ron Howard reshot most of this movie. Yeah. And they couldn't get Williams anymore. And that's when Paul Bettany came in. I feel like that would have been a different movie, maybe yeah, a better movie. And I mean, I I'm a Paul Bettany fan, and I and I did like him in this movie. But now I'm forever going to be thinking about that we almost got a Star Wars film. Yeah, with Omar. With yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on the on the directors, I do feel like this for me because there is they've said there is stuff in there that that Lord and Miller shot. Yeah. Remember when we were talking about Justice League, and there were times where you're like, "Oh right, this this is Zack Snyder." Yeah, yeah. This. To me, feels like a coherent film. 
Yeah, it does. Definitely. I, I agree. I didn't, I couldn't pick up, like when you said that Lon Miller had, it was like three weeks left of production when Howard came on, that shocked me because it was, it was very coherent. And yeah. I think he, like he went back and shot, what I heard was that he shot like 80% of the script still. Yeah, right. So it is largely, like at the end it comes up, the first credit is a Ron Howard film. Yes. I think it very much is. But certainly there is stuff in this film that's Lord Miller, but it's not like, oh, this is definitely a Lord Miller. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of times where I suspect it was, but it's not glaring. I think maybe what made it more coherent was that the screenplay didn't necessarily change. Mm. You know, unlike Justice League where Whedon actually jumped in and did a rewrite as well, you could really pick those scenes that Whedon had written. Yeah. Whereas yeah. The, the script being shot was the whole thing with yes. Lord Miller, that they weren't shooting the script. I mean, also, like, we're not really into the film proper yet. This really is the first Star Wars movie with a huge cast. Like, traditionally, Star Wars movies- In terms gone, of names. Yeah, yeah. Traditionally, they've gone for more unknowns. And in this movie, you've got Emilia Clarke, who's huge thanks to Game of Thrones. You've got Paul Bettany, who's just been smashing it in the Avengers films. You know, you've got Donald Glover. Childish Lando, who currently rules the world. Yeah, like, this is big name cast, which I don't know how I feel about that yet and whether it took me out of the film. I don't think it did, but I was more aware of who these people were. Like, when Paul Bettany first popped up, my wife goes, Vision's alive. (laughs) All right, so what's the movie about? It's kind of a heist film or a series of heists. Yeah. About, I mean, what's it about? It's about the makings of this kid called Han. Yeah. No last name. That was cheesy. <laughs> what did you think of him being given his name? I, like, if they were, if that's how it was going to come about, like, I didn't mind that he's this street kid who doesn't even have a last name because, although then we find out later in the film that his dad used to work yeah, so on he, the construction he, lines. I was like, so well, he hang knew on. his dad. He knew, yeah. Yeah. So that, it didn't, like, I don't mind the idea that it is that literal, that it's this yeah. guy- Who's on his own. Literally solo. Li- yeah. Yes. How it plays out? No. It would have been cooler if that that Imperial guy just went, oh, okay, and just like typed four letters. Yeah. I f- like that would have worked for me. Yeah. Or if Han came up with it him- himself. Like if, you know, yeah. if he just took a moment to think of I'm, like- Yeah, I'm just I'm, Han. I'm solo. Yeah, solo. Han Solo. Yeah, like that would have been better to me instead of this cheesy, I'll call you Solo. So talking about Alden Ehrenreich as Solo- um, I quite liked him in this film. Same. I thought he did a very respectable job. He, yeah. And I like that he didn't go out and try and do a Harrison Ford. Yeah, he embodied the character and you could tell he was Han Solo, but it wasn't just an impersonation of Ford, which I thought was, it was not what I was expecting. And yeah. I thought it was really good. For me, it felt like watching Tom Hardy in Mad Max Fury Road. I was yeah, like, yeah. all right, this is not my Mad Max, but I don't particularly care. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. Which is then kind of juxtaposed with Childish Lando. <laughs> Who is very much doing a Billy D. Williams impersonation. The first line we hear of him, yeah. it's like, oh, that's Lando. And it it does, I think, kind of drop a little as the film goes on. Agreed. But I I thought he was great. I thought Donald- I actually thought Lando as a character was one of the better ca- characters in this film in terms of development and stuff. Because one critique I have with this movie- is that the character development is nearly non-existent for the vast majority of people in this film. Yeah, well, I mean, you're coming to Solo, you know, not long before we first met him. Yeah, 10 years We before. don't know exactly. Is it that long before? 10 years okay. is what I've heard, which it doesn't specifically say. Yeah. But it, what I've heard is 10 years. Yeah. And because, like, 
you know, Harrison Ford in A New Hope, Han's actually a really understated character for in that film. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, that's- I think that is a tough job both to write and to act. Yes. It's all right, I've got to embody this guy, but I can't do too much. <laughs> I can't get too theatrical with it. Yeah. This character's meant to be kind of- he's pretty met about a heap of stuff. Yeah. I thought that most of the cast were pretty good. I enjoyed Amelia Clark, even though I didn't think her character was that well-developed. I enjoyed Paul Bettany, same kind of thing. Yeah, there's no one in the cast, really, that stood out to me as bad or cheesy or anything. Yep, same for me. And I was interested to see how Amelia Clark went in this film, because, like, everyone loves Amelia Clark in Game of Thrones. Yes, and nobody likes her from anything else, though. I don't think anyone really blames her for Terminator, please let's forget this happened. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like the jury was still out, I think, is, all right, is Amelia Clark really good or do we just love Daenerys? Yes. Yeah. And I think I think she's really good. I like her. I don't think she's the greatest actress of our generation and I don't think she had a lot to work with in this movie, but she's very likable. And Warwick Davis finally got to appear in a Star Wars movie. Oh, no, we saw him in um, Phantom Menace. Did we? Yeah, at the pod race. Oh, good on him. Good on <laughs> so, him. I don't know if this is like his his The son. same character. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's now- He's appeared in every new since, Star Wars movies that's come out. Since Return of the Jedi, Warwick Davis has been in everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually with his poor little face hidden. <laughs> I don't know that it's necessarily a poor little face. <laughs> It's Warwick Davis's face. No, no, I meant I meant poor Warwick Davis for having to hide his face. Okay, okay. I thought that was like, oh, no, look at you. No, no, I love Warwick Davis. That wasn't a, it wasn't a crack. At no, all. love me some Willow. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's talk about a sequel. Are you kidding? Yeah. With him returning? Ron, Ron Howard has brought it up. Holy shit. I, like, I am all in. Make that happen. Take my money. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so- one thing I love about this film, mm-hmm. I was I was really excited at the prospect of a Star Wars film being shot by Bradford Young, yep. who's a cinematographer on Selma. He was a cinematographer on Arrival. I love his work. And Solo is a fantastic looking movie. I think it's the nicest looking Star Wars movie by the, a long stretch. The only rival to it is Empire in yeah. terms of how good a Star Wars film looks. Yeah. I love the look of this film. I agree with you. I yeah. love the the use of camera. There's only one time where there's a virtual camera doing <laughs> stupid things following the Falcon round. Yeah. But otherwise, there is really good camera movement in it, but the and it's done it's edited actually really well, a lot of the it, camera yes, work yeah. in this film. So that it's actually not that showy, but it is there is motivation behind the camera work. And I love Bradford Young. You know, I thought the color palette, I thought the visuals all tied in so well. The visual effects were great. They had a good mix of both practical and, you know, digital. And I'm so glad that when we got one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, when Chewie and Woody Harrelson are playing chess, (laughs) we got the original Harryhausen chess board. You know, it wasn't redone and digital and stuff. It was the original Harryhausen stuff. And that I was so glad we got that. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is- in this new run of Star Wars films, I think this is the first one to be shot digitally. I think everything else yeah, has right. been on film. We we might- I think we maybe we just kind of disagreed on this a bit. I didn't love the score in Rogue One. 
I preferred the score in Rogue One to this. I think this score is way better than Rogue One. I really dislike <laughs> this score. I was totally into it. There were moments that I really enjoyed and there were moments that I was really like, this is not doing anything for the story for me. I certainly didn't like the Marauders theme. Every time the Marauders appeared and we got that kind of chanting, singing stuff. I was into that. Didn't work for me at all. It's like the only time that that kind of stuff has ever worked for me in a Star Wars movie is Duel of the Fates, which is- Absolutely incredible, and this—I don't know. For me, the score in this one just didn't didn't work. This to like it felt like a Star Wars score. See, and I guess that's the thing for me. Rogue One, the score. Yeah, the critique I've heard is that it doesn't sound like a Star Wars movie, but that's okay for me because these these are supposed to be a little bit different. And one of the issues I had with this movie is I feel like they didn't know whether they were doing that or not. You know, we start with. Not a crawl, but basically a crawl. You know, like this movie starts like a Star Wars movie. There is a lot of the score does kind of sound like that. You don't have a lot of the original theme in there, but it does happen. Yeah, I like the bits that they like when they're in flying through the maelstrom and they appropriate the score from the asteroid chase in Empire. Yeah. And to me, I was like, well, this is totally working for me because it doesn't sound way different to the rest of the score. To yeah. Me. It, it does all work yeah. together. I guess the thing for me, while we're talking about this, Rogue One is a standalone movie. It definitely is, you know? And that's one of the things I loved about it. If we're expanding this Star Wars universe, let's go- It's not that standalone. It finishes five minutes before A New Hope starts. It it does, but none of them- There's very little crossover between main characters. There's very little kind of universe building. It is just a chapter of this story. Solo, for me, really felt- it was like an Avengers movie. You know, like at the end when we got Darth Maul, I'm like, this may as well be an end credit scene here. They're trying to build a universe around a universe that's already been built. And this is by no means a standalone movie. They are, they're going places with this and we're going to get more movies f- arching off from this universe. Yeah, I was going to talk about this later. Um, yeah. That I was wondering, the first time I saw this film, I was kind of mostly wondering, I wonder how many people knew that Darth Maul wasn't dead. Yeah. Um, I haven't- I, And I don't even know where he came back in well, that got to the canon, whether it was comics or- I think it was the Clone Wars series. Right. So, yeah, I hadn't seen that, but I knew that Darth Maul was somehow still yeah. alive. Yeah. My my guess is that I, along with a lot of people, expect that there will be an Obi-Wan film. Yeah. And my expectation is now is Darth that we get Obi-Wan v. Maul yeah. part two. See, and to me, it's like- Let's not call this a Star Wars story then, because that's not the way this is, you know, because we'll get Obi-Wan. Let's not call it a Star Wars story because it sounds stupid. No, but it's like you you are, they are building a universe and a universe has already been built. So, it's like, I don't know, to me, it just, that bit didn't work for me at all. And talking about Darth Maul, what the hell happened with him? Like, is it just me or was he super chubby? Well, he's aged. He looked like a Darth Maul Cabbage Patch doll. Oh, I didn't check if Ray Park still played him. Yeah, I forgot to check as well. But like- I don't mind that Darth Maul, that he looked like an older Darth Maul. He looked like a Cabbage Patch doll Darth he Maul. He is an older Darth Maul. And correct me if I'm wrong, did we ever hear Darth Maul speak in- We did? At last we will have our revenge. Yes, he, he sounded is. pretty piss weak, actually. He sounded <laughs> so- Like, he he's like David Beckham. He shouldn't open his mouth. Because That's right. Because his entire charisma dies when he opens his mouth. It's very true. <laughs> Other things I like in this film. Yeah, let's go for things we like. The vehicles, I totally like. It yeah. felt very Star Wars. It felt- in the tradition of old-timey Star Wars, it felt, even though it's space-aged, it feels really mechanical. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And on vehicles, 
creature design as well. Absolutely. I, I love the alien design. And yeah, I love the vehicles. I, one thing I really noticed watching this Star Wars film, which I haven't noticed a lot of the other times, is lots of asymmetry. You know, like when you look at typical spaceship design, they're very symmetrical. And I really liked that with both the creature design and the vehicle design with this, they didn't do that. And the droids. Yeah, like you look at L3, she's got totally different eyes on either side, which just kind of, I, I really enjoyed that. Yep. Um, same same category, costumes. Yep. Great. Yeah. Loved it. Visuals are top notch. Kind of following on from vehicles there. I'm, I've had this argument with many people many times. As far as I'm concerned, Star Wars is not science fiction. It's fantasy that's set in space. And so I find it weird when they decide to kind of dabble in sci-fi things like that fuel injection thing. Yeah. I was like, because in Star Wars, we don't bother trying to explain hyperspace or anything. Like, yeah. it's just a thing. Just go with it. Yeah. When you then try and get into the nitty gritty of these things, it's like, mm, nah, it doesn't work for me. I get that. While we're talking about the fuel thing, for me, the worst part of this movie is the plot. You talk about a low stakes movie. This is the lowest of the low. Which I actually like. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, you can't. There's no way to do this film and have it be, you know, a Death Star or some threat to the galaxy. I don't expect that. But I wish that we hadn't seen everything we already knew about. Because every beat of this movie, you know where it's going. Anytime, you know, they throw Han in with the Beast. Oh, interesting. Oh, no, it's Chewbacca and you know that they're going to become friends. Oh, no, they have to do a Kessel Run. You know he makes it in 12 parsecs. I don't care that we didn't have, like, a huge stakes thing, but I would have preferred if we'd had a different aspect of the story that wasn't already covered. Like, I know that this is probably what people wanted in this movie wanting. You know, like, people just wanted fan service and to see young Han do these things we'd heard about. But for me, I just wanted to see something different from him. Yeah, I, I, I don't want the stakes any higher in this film because you, I think you've got to leave him somewhere to go in A New Hope. You can't come into A New Hope already having done something genuinely amazing for me. So that's, I mean, your, your thoughts on there are very much what I thought when they announced the Han Solo film. Yeah. I was like, we've got an entire galaxy to choose from. Maybe maybe go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, I mean, I was really determined going into this film. I was like, all right, this is not the Star Wars film I wanted. Yeah. But- but you're going to enjoy it. I'm I'm going to try and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's not what I would have done. I think, and that's maybe the difference between us, is that my expectations were higher going into this movie. And that's, so, you know, talking about what, what fans want and everything. One thing that strikes me about Infinity War and the the bar that Star Wars films have to pass yeah, compared to Marvel is, is completely different. Can you imagine if in a Star Wars film- there was something so unexplained as, so where was Valkyrie on that ship at yeah. the beginning of Infinity War? Yeah. Which with event, everyone's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. She was probably in an escape pod. Like, would, who cares? Yeah. When that kind of thing happens or something not even that big happens in a Star Wars film, people lose their minds. It's true. Yeah. But yeah, Star Wars has a very, very high bar set for it, which is- even I hold it to the same bar, which is crazy because they're the same. They're both just disposable fun, really. There's nothing in Star Wars that's super, super deep or, you know, but yeah, it's got a really high bar set. Dude, there is no try. <laughs> <laughs> and so this thing, like, I mean, we talked about his last name and I wasn't a big fan of how he got his gun, which is one of the more iconic props in cinema history. Yeah. And I didn't love 
how that happened. But yeah. if it happened in anything other than a Star Wars film, yeah. I wouldn't give it a second thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, while we're talking about stuff like that, what were your thoughts on the introduction of Chewie and their friendship? Oh, I liked it, actually. Yeah? Like, it's a, like you see it coming a mile away, but, but I liked it. Did you see the life debt? Is that considered the life debt? I wouldn't have thought so. No. So, did like, is there more to come from that story or is this just lazy writing where they're like, yeah, this is a life debt? Yeah, but then again, like- if they'd showed the live debt, would you be saying, oh, yeah, but we knew it. that's just another thing that they had to show and whatever, and they showed it? I guess, but I guess my feeling is that this is it. Yeah, I don't I don't particularly care. Yeah, okay. Woody Harrelson becoming the new Sean Bean. He's died in the last three <laughs> things I've seen him in. <laughs> and other things, like without naming the films to spoil them for anyone, Woody Harrelson's been dying a lot for me. Yeah, that's, that's feeling a good bad, point. Feeling bad for Woody. Spoiler alert, Woody Harrison dies. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, I love that. I love that we get a hand shot first scene. Me just too. Just as this Me too. finger. I yeah. loved it. And Because this is this is the Han that we know. I thought like Han in this movie is Han. And it's even explained like Tobias Beckett says to him, I'd have killed you. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he did need to do it if he wanted to live. Yeah. And also Hard job first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on that, though, I know that I've sounded really negative about this movie. I did enjoy this movie. One thing for me, though, back to the plot and the character development and stuff, I did not love the constant, oh, no, I'm a good guy now. Oh, I'm a bad guy now. Like, from both um, Woody Harrelson and Amelia Clark, I felt like there was zero development or motivation for any of that. I didn't feel like they ever went back and forth between who oh, and really? all. They, I thought they just who were who they were. No, I didn't get that. To me, this this felt like when kids, you know, like when you're a kid in primary school and you're playing cops and robbers, and there's always that one little dickhead who halfway through is like, I was a double agent the whole time, and starts playing on both teams. That's what this felt like to me. I didn't feel like there was any proper motivation for it, particularly Amelia Clark's character. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel like there was any back and forth with those two characters. They they were all for me, they were just always their motivation was clear and their motivation was them. Yeah. The bit of back and forth with Han, I like of Han trying to not be he's like, Yeah, I'm badass, yo, I'm from the street. <laughs> yeah. And Amelia Clark's like, No, you're not. <laughs> Another one with um kind of fan servicey scenes. I like that so a bunch of like Star Wars nerds know that Han won the Falcon in a game of Subak. Yeah. And so I like that he didn't win it in that the first because it seemed yeah. like, okay, here's this. Yes. Oh, actually, no. I the agree. only problem with that then is that when it happens at the end, it's almost like a post credit scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's and like, I liked the scene, but it just felt very tagged on to me. Yeah. I do agree, though. I liked that that didn't happen the first time and then, you know, it came back around. And I, I, I really like, I really liked the first meeting between Lando and Hart. Me too. And I loved that they. They get in there the explainer of why is it that Lando is the only person that calls him Han. Yeah. I yeah. actually really dug that. That was just that just tickled me. I actually really liked their back and forth and their whole relationship. That I thought was one of the most believable relationships and development in the film. And you believe that these guys are friendly, but not friends. You know, like yeah. I really enjoyed that about them. Chewie's still very much a second class citizen. Yeah. Like there's stuff in this film about droid rights, and yet whenever you know, whenever there's something to be done, it's like, Chewie, you carry that. The grown-ups are going to talk. <laughs> and Chewie by right should be like, I'm 190, kids. <laughs> Listen up. We did get a lot of that kind of human rights stuff similar to what we got in The Last Jedi. 
where yeah, there was a lot of you know free the droids and and same on the mining planet when Chewie went off to free all the Wookies. But who knows what happened to them? He kind of just left them there on that planet. Yeah, I imagine they were gonna borrow a spaceship from someone <laughs> and head back to Kashyyyk <laughs> or go to Endor. Yeah, Endor's just lord, where it's and at. just lorded over the Ewoks. <laughs> They're basically tall Ewoks. Yeah, yeah. I did like that we got some really aggressive Chewie in this too. Same. We, we saw him as as a bit of a beast. You know, we saw him rip someone's arms off, and you know, we believed that he was going to eat Han. Like that was cool. I liked it. Yeah, when he went and yeah, when he went carved Berserker against <laughs> yeah. those people, I was like, get him, Chewie. <laughs> I liked L three talking about the droids as well. Yeah, L3 worked for me. Do you know who her voice was? Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I I don't know. No, I don't know either. She sounded like Gwendolyn Chrissy to me. And I was like, this is a missed opportunity because I would have rathered her play this character instead of Phasma because Phasma was kind of crappy. Phasma, the HR manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She sounded like Gwendolyn Chrissy to me. And I was like, this is the kind of role she should play that's kind of badass, but also fun. You know, My favorite moment from L3 was when she was in the- in that room where when Kira takes down a couple of people and L3 just does that, well, <laughs> that timing really worked for me. I thought it was really good. And, and in fact, their little chat in the, the cockpit of the Falcon as well. Yeah, that was fun. I Which- dug that. There's a, like, there's a lot of scenes in this film where there were things that just made me smile. That's how I felt too. There are a lot of things in this movie that I enjoyed and that really made me smile. But I feel like if this wasn't a Star Wars movie, I wouldn't have that. Like if this was just, hey, this is Joe Smuggler, I don't I don't think I'd have- Because it doesn't hold that nostalgia then for me. And I do feel like as a standalone movie, the plot and everything for me was a little underdeveloped and weak. That being said, I still enjoyed it. So as we just said, like there, there's a lot about this film that I enjoy. I, it's not a great film. Yeah. There's a bunch about it that I can pick apart, but a lot- and. It's weird that, like, after the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, yeah, that was fun. Like, it's not amazing. And then when I was watching it again, I was sitting there, and as I was watching it, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. How much more do you think you enjoyed it the second time? Like, how much do you think it bumped your score? It didn't bump my score. But, yeah, it just kind of really crystallized that I enjoy this film. That's good. Cool. So, what what are you scoring it? What I'm, you a, it I'm giving it a six, but it was a choice between a six and a seven, not a five and a six. Okay, I'm I'm on the exact same score. I'm a six, but for me, it was probably- It was in like the five and a half to six and a half range. I do think five is too low for it because it is above average. But yeah, I'm going with a six as well. I pray that, the, that Lucasfilm does decide to throw the net wider, and I assume that that is what Ryan Johnson's going to do- With his in, series. In those new films that they're allowing him to do. And I can't wait for that to happen in Star Wars films. Let me ask you this. About four years ago, when this all started, I said to you, do you think we're going to get to a point where we're going to reach Star Wars saturation? Yep. And you said no. I Yeah, I was- Do you still feel that way? Or do you think that one movie a year for the end of all time is going to eventually be too much? So long as- It, it depends. One film a year, I think, can keep it fresh enough for me. But that is with the proviso that they do open up the galaxy. Yeah. If, because- it, if it's all going to be interconnected to the original trilogy, it will absolutely get old fast. So how did you feel after seeing this? And you kind of agree with me that this is definitely, this is this is like an Avengers movie, basically. Do you feel like we're heading in that direction? Or do you think there's going to be enough of a mix of both? I suspect it will, for me, 
teeter on the side of too much familiar stuff. Yeah. But of course, but that's entirely dependent on what's Ryan Johnson going to do? What are the Game of Thrones boys going to do in the films that they're- yeah, or whether that's going to be films or or, or, or yeah, I thought that was an original series. It could well be a series because yeah. Disney are starting their own streaming service, aren't they? And so they, they like, are. In fact, they make, pulled all Disney stuff. That's off right. Netflix. So yeah. they'll be like, make our Game of Thrones, please. Yeah, yeah. Which yep. could well be Old Republic. Would be my guess. That would be my guess. Yeah, it could be awesome. And this is this is the kind of stuff is that if this stuff goes well, I don't think I'm gonna get fatigue. Yeah, but. If we continue, and like I like Rogue One and I like Solo, but if that's what they continue doing, then yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's us for today. Uh, so happy Monday, everybody. What are we doing on Thursday for our regular episode, buddy? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. I'm making Topher watch Sphere from 1998. <laughs> making? <laughs> no, no, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a mutual thing. You're pretty excited about it. Am I? I think you are. Okay. I think you are. I'm just internalizing. <laughs> it's going to be good stuff. <laughs> oh, quick note as well. You know how last week we were talking about Cable and Izzy a mutant? Yep. So a good friend of the show, Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews and 20Qs, who is like Marvel God. He's like, he knows all of his stuff. So he wrote into us to let us know that Cable in the comics is a mutant. He's actually Cyclops's kid. Okay. And so he has telekinesis and, you know, like he can, what's that thing where you can like- It's the force. Th- yeah, he's got the force. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, apparently he does use it once, but in the comics, he is more of a mutant. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Speaking of Sam, I did a uh, spot for him on Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, which will be coming out this Wednesday. So, in two days from now. So, definitely check that out because it was a heap of fun. We talked about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is a great film. You didn't totally ruin trans-Tasman relationships? I'm, I'm worried I did. I'm Because you're not- because you're not very personable, are you? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a right dick. People and, do say that about you. And I, I just, I get, I get nervous. And when I get nervous, I worry I get mean. I, I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, that was a ton of fun. And his show's awesome. So definitely check that out. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or at wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at wewatchthething. And thanks for listening. Bye. Last time that happened, it got worse and worse, and it was because the batteries were dying.